Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I think I've mentioned it before, you may know this about me, that I grew up on a farm and that my dad was a farmer and my grandfather before him was a farmer, that this is a very rich part of my life and my DNA. And even though that's true, I didn't grow up to be a farmer. So there may be a lot of deficiencies in my farm knowledge, since I didn't let that blossom and grow. But the truth is, I still know a good amount about farming. And I know enough about farming that when I hear that parable that Jesus told in our gospel reading today, there's one part of it that sticks out, one part of it that just drives you crazy if you know anything about farmers, that, that makes you say, Jesus, that's not the way that works. And I'm sure that to the people in Jesus' own day, they had exactly the same reaction. Jesus grew up as Joseph's son, Joseph that carpenter. And so no doubt Jesus in his early life learned a lot about carpentry and about his father's business that way. The story that Jesus tells makes it crystal clear to anybody who's listening that Jesus had relatively no knowledge about farming. Because the way he tells this story, the thing that we are struck by the most is how foolish the farmer in the story really is. I mean, think about it. You too, to this day, might not know much about farming, but you've seen plants growing alongside the roads. You've heard farmers and you know that they are known for their great work ethic, how much work they put into it. You know that farming is not necessarily a, a lucrative business, that each year you are uncertain of what the crop will be, and that's your livelihood. In other words, the farmers think a lot about their crop while it's growing, as they harvest it, and yes, even before it's planted. Any farmer worth their salt would tell you, you don't take precious seed, which is money, and just willy-nilly let it fall and scatter here and there and everywhere. If you are a farmer, you make sure that that seed goes in the soil that has been well prepared for, the right kind of soil with the right kind of nutrients that will then prosper and grow. But the biggest takeaway from Jesus's story is that's not what our farmer does. Instead, that sower lets the seed fall here, there, and everywhere, along a path, along a rocky road, among weeds, and yes, even in the good soil. No doubt, the people of Jesus's own day remembered that story that Jesus told because it was so untrue to reality. It was so untrue to what they knew about the life of a farmer that that story just, it was instantly memorable. But Jesus wasn't telling a story about farming. He was telling a story about God's kingdom. And 
Jesus makes that clear by telling his disciples, telling us that that story was not some story about a farmer. That seed that he was talking about, that seed that was scattered here, there, and everywhere, this was not wheat seed or corn seed. This seed is the word of God. And that word of God goes everywhere. And if you listen to Jesus' explanation, you'd have to say, that's absolutely true. In the Bible, you can go back to the beginning, you can go back to the Old Testament, and you find that God's word is everywhere, and it goes to all types of people. It goes to Adam and Eve, who initially hear it, but ultimately reject it as they turn aside and do their own thing. It goes to Cain and Abel, and Abel hears it and treasures it, but Abel, he lets anger and jealousy and bitterness take root in his heart instead. That word continues to go out to all people, but there comes a time when it's only Noah and his family who listen to that word. Everybody else have turned aside and done their own thing. That word of God continues to go out to people. It goes to Jacob and Esau. It goes to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah who reject it. But through Jonah, it goes to the people of Nineveh who hear it and repent. It goes to Saul who ultimately rejects it. It goes to David who treasures it. It goes to Solomon who hears it for a while but ultimately seems to go his own way too. It goes to all of the kings of Israel and Judah. Some listen, some don't. The word of God is scattered all throughout. And Jesus in his own ministry played his own role in that. In Jesus' life, he proclaimed the kingdom of God to everyone. And we've heard, remember last week? The reception wasn't always positive. John the baptizer, who was another messenger of that word, he ends up in prison. He will end up losing his life. Jesus brings that word to all people, but the Pharisees, the religious leaders and the teachers, they reject Jesus' word. They reject his authority. But crowds of people hear Jesus' words and they receive them. They follow him. They long to be a part of his ministry that they too might be disciples who would follow him all of their lives. And that word, that word of God comes to us as well, doesn't it? that we too find ourselves in our own time and in our own place, disciples of this Jesus. Because the word of God came to us and we heard it and received it, we believe that Jesus is our Savior, that we have been brought into his kingdom through the waters of baptism, that we are fed and nourished by hearing that word and by receiving Jesus' own body and blood. That word of God has been sown all throughout the history of our humanity. And when it comes to us, what reception does it find? Well, it may find good soil, but it also may find a lot of weeds. 
It may find some rocky ground. It may find that it is scattered and birds come and steal it away, or there is no place for it to even take root. Maybe you know that. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life, that you hear the word of God and, and for a while you, you believed, you followed Jesus. But then the cares of this world came and they robbed you of the joy of Jesus' kingdom. Maybe you left the church. Maybe you left that path of being Jesus' disciple. Now you're back, but for a while, you weren't there. See, a lot of people hear this parable that Jesus talks about and the, the different kinds of soil, the different place places that that seed falls, that becomes for them the takeaway. And their whole life is about trying to make themselves the best soil so that that seed produces in their life. It seems to me that in Jesus's parable, there's less talk about the types of soil. People know that this just happens, that when seed goes in places that it's not supposed to go, it's, it's not going to produce. What's weird about Jesus' story is why did the seed go there in the first place? Who would put seed in bad soil? Who would put seed someplace that it doesn't belong? Only a foolish farmer would do that. But that's the story that Jesus tells. He's telling a story about how the word of God is sown into our world. The word of God is not just some message, though, is it? The word of God that Jesus talks about isn't just the Bible. It isn't just the gospel proclaimed to people. The Word of God is ultimately the Word made flesh. The Word of God is ultimately Jesus himself. And the story that Jesus tells about the seed, about the Word of God scattered into this world, it's also about Jesus. It's about Jesus, who from his heavenly Father's side left heaven and came into this world, into this world of sin and brokenness, this world of death. And Jesus didn't come into this world when the soil was perfect. He didn't come to only the best. Jesus came, and he came to everyone. He came to all of this world in all of its sin, hatred, fear, anxiety. He came to all of us. And as Jesus, the word of God, was sent into this world, this world of all different types of people, Jesus knew that that was his ministry. Jesus knew that his ministry wouldn't be a perfect ministry by the world's standards that would completely change the world overnight. In fact, in Jesus's ministry, it was largely a ministry of opposition. It was a ministry of persecution. It was a ministry that ultimately brought Jesus to his own death upon the cross. And in the world's eyes, that was all a failure. 
That was all foolishness. Why would Jesus come into this world just to be rejected and die? But just like a seed must be put into that dark ground and must itself die in order for it to become that plant that grows and grows and bears fruit and gives life, so too Jesus came into this dark world to be trampled upon, to be thrown into the ground, into the dirt. Jesus died and was buried so that on the third day he could rise again, so that he could bring us life, a new kind of life, eternal life. Jesus died so that we could be part of God's kingdom in a new and profound way, so that we could be children of our heavenly Father, so that we would have the right to call him Abba, Father, and know that that's exactly who he is because of who we have been made to be because of Jesus, because Jesus is that seed, that promised seed. You remember back to Genesis that, that one day Adam and Eve were promised that God would send a seed, an offspring of that woman, and he would crush Satan. He would make it possible for us to be with our heavenly Father forever. Jesus is that seed. Jesus is that word of God. And so you and I, we have our place in God's kingdom because of that seed, because of Jesus, because of the word made flesh, that, that we have received that message, but more than that, we have received Jesus. See, our baptism is not just water and some words that were spoken over us. In our baptisms, we are joined with Jesus. That just as Jesus was rejected and died, but risen from the dead, we too were joined with him in his death. We're joined with him also in his resurrection. And when we receive the Lord's Supper, we're not just receiving bread and wine. We are receiving Jesus himself, his very body and blood. And it is through this, it is through these means of God's grace that we have life. See, God sows his seed everywhere and it has come even to us. And that seed does what it's supposed to do. It grows, it grows, it gives life, and it bears fruit. And so you and I are a part of this story because of that foolish farmer. You see, this story is not about farming, is it? Because if it were, that farmer would be a fool. Instead, this story is about something so much better. It is about a gracious God. It is about our gracious God. It is about our heavenly Father who abounds in grace and mercy, who does not wait for us to become perfect, but rather sees us in our sin, in our death, in our enmity against him and against one another 
And he sends Jesus. He sends Jesus into this world, even if it means his precious son will be rejected, even if it means his precious son will die. Because he knows that through Jesus' death, we will have life. Through Jesus' death, we will have forgiveness. And we do. We have life because of Jesus. We have life in Jesus. That is the word of God, the seed that has been planted in our hearts. See, the story isn't about a foolish farmer as much as it's about a gracious God. And it's about Jesus and about his kingdom. But it's also about you and me. It's about how Jesus is growing in you and me. It's about how Jesus helps us to grow into his likeness so that we too would bear much fruit, so that we too could be a part of that story, so that we too would be known as foolish people for spreading that word for spreading God's grace, for spreading God's forgiveness and mercy everywhere, wherever we go, to whoever we meet. And it's not because that seed isn't precious. It is. Jesus paid the ultimate price for this good news. But he did so because the people around us are equally precious in God's sight. And he wants them to receive this news, this wonderful news, that we have been loved by a Father who loved us so much that he spared nothing so that he could call us his own dear children, so we could call him our dear Heavenly Father. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen.